my first question for you is, are you a shape rotator? Am I a shape or? Are you a shape rotator? Okay, you don't know that shape? meme. Okay, next question. <laughs> I was like, should I know next what this means? Oh, it's, a, it's a Twitter thing. I'm on Twitter, but I'm in like Web3 Twitter. Really? This is like a thing in Web3 Twitter. Don't, don't Google it afterwards. Would you say that you're more like in tune with your emotions than the average guy? Ooh, three quarters of people think they're above average drivers, right? So... <laughs> Taking that to account, I should say that I'm below average, right? It has taken me a while to understand my emotions. I'm not sure why that is, but it's also something that I've seeked out and have had interest in developing that skill. I don't know how many people do that in general, because I know my own experience, but I don't know other people's experience. Well, I mean, I think of it as like developing like your EQ, right? Which is really important, I think. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Friendship Futurism. Today I'm talking to Emily Fang. She is the co-founder with Ivy Zhu of Asian Wander Women, an online community of nomadic Asian women and its eponymous Venture Studio DAO, which has grown to almost a thousand members in just over a year. In this episode, you'll learn about strategies to become internet famous, building a DAO, dealing with haters, how to avoid being commoditized online, why I'll never be cool, and how scale requires one-on-one -on -one effort. Okay, let's get right into it. Is perfectionism a competitive advantage? No. Because I remember this podcast almost didn't happen because I remember I messaged you and you were like, oh, I'm busy with the DAO and like, you know, maybe like call me back in like three months. And like, okay, but like literally we could just sit down and have this happen. And then we did, which is, which is good. I don't think it's perfectionism. I think if you know me very well or you like ask my friends, they wouldn't say like Emily is a perfectionist. I mean, you've seen my YouTube videos. Like they're far from being perfect. They're pretty well produced. Really? Thank you. I don't yeah. think they are, but... <laughs> I appreciate. I can see the edit. Like, I can tell it's edited, right? Yeah. Because you cut, like, yeah. words and when you pause oh, them, say, oh, So I can tell, like, you've done the effort to make it engaging on that level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There was, like, one time I, like, it was, like, please stick around and subscribe. And then I accidentally wrote, like, please stick around and subscribe. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not a perfectionist. I think you should just know that up front. But um, I think the reason why I kept pushing it back was because there's just a lot going on. I didn't want to like jump into a podcast because if it wasn't good or like if I was just saying random things that weren't helpful, then it would reflect poorly on your podcast as well. Or if I wasn't in the right headspace. I, I don't know if that's possible. I wonder why that was a concern. Although yeah. to be fair, earlier I was like, wait, how can I ask this in a non-boring way? Which I, yeah. I guess comes out of the same source of concern for like maximal interestingness per unit of saying. And also I just like to be prepared, but no, I'm not a perfectionist. Are you a perfectionist? I am definitely not a perfectionist because I didn't pay for Zoom until two <laughs> minutes before we were supposed to meet, so. <laughs> but you paid for it. I did. Um, I feel honored that you paid for Zoom to have a <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love the I love the dedication. I love that you're building something great. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, because normally like normally you just when you hang out, you just like use the free Zoom and then 40 minutes is over and you're like, all right, whatever, new meeting, right? But like because I'm like recording and like I don't want the interruption, it's like, you know, whatever. But yeah, for sure, so, for sure. It's fine. Okay. So do it, do it all for the content. But overall, nice to meet you. I've heard a lot about you. It is like, I think our circles overlap quite a bit. It's quite a small world. Learning Night, Stripe, Ivy as well. Like it, it's interesting because like there's been these relationships with people I've built over like the last 10 years that are like, oh yeah, it's like being nice 10 years ago actually pays off. <laughs> you know, like people yeah. can like, I can like meet cool people like Emily. So it's, it's like. Kind of interesting. I was like reflecting on that today. I was like, huh.
Yeah. Actually, there's like a bunch of you guys. Like whenever I'm on Facebook, it's always like, oh, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And it seems like you all run in the same circle from the Bay Area or from Canada. Yeah, I heard of you as well. And I'm glad that we're having this chat now. I, I guess, yeah. Like, tell me, like, what is your grand plan to conquer the world? Oh, that's an interesting question because to be honest, I don't think I'm trying to conquer the world. I don't know if I want to conquer anything. I just want to pursue the things that I love to do. I want to pursue comfort and I want to pursue an environment that allows me to thrive. So that's my own idea of like conquering the world, maybe like conquering my own world, like building my own world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I don't know. I, I feel like my personality is like, I, I'm very like 99% happy, 1% whatever emotion I have. And yeah, life just throws you a lot of curveballs. I think for me, I'm just pursuing the right kind of environment where I can thrive and I can thrive with other people. Well, I mean, how do you thrive? That's a really good question. I think I thrive in environments where I'm surrounded by people who are building and working and doing the same things that I like to do. You know, in my young, my early 20s, I was always trying to fit myself into a box, like trying to be more interesting and trying to do things just because other people were doing it. And then nowadays I'm just like, I'm just going to do the things that I want to do. And if you want to do it, you can do it with me. If not, then that's fine. And luckily I found a lot of people here in Singapore and through like the interwebs that I just jive with, which is hard because I feel like I didn't have that when I was growing up. So now I feel like I'm starting to like find my people. I, yeah. I think people just like human connections and like having good relationships makes me feel like I'm thriving. I, I resonate with that, you know, having, having that tribe, you know, and like having your in-group the people who get you. Is there like a common thread that unites this tribe of yours? Are they all entrepreneurs? Are they all Asian wandering women? <laughs> what is the common thread? I think intentionality first. Like I get along with people who are very intentional with what they're doing and like how they think. And they're just not, you know, they just like want to know you and get to know you as a person first. I think that ultimately is like how I'm attracted to certain people um, when it comes to like becoming friends with them. And also, yeah, just people who are like building cool shit. Like, I don't care if you're like building, like you're building a boba shop or you're building a SaaS tool. Like, I think if you're like pursuing your passion or you're like building a side project, I think it's just, it's just cool to me. And I love learning about what other people are building. So I think right now, a lot of my friends are from Asian Wonder Woman or they're like random people I meet, like you, like, you know, you're doing your podcast, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> I think it's just a lot of like builders and creators, people just- it's people who, who prefer producing over consuming. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because if you consume, it's like your identity is based on what you consume, but that's kind of taught to you by mass media. And so you're not really forging your own path. It's just, you're just more interesting by building. And it takes a lot of gumption to put yourself out there, to even put, you know, like you putting your voice out there, your podcast out there, uh, people creating like YouTube videos. It takes a lot of gumption. And I'm, I respect that. I respect like putting yourself out there, like whatever it is, yeah. just like put yourself out there. How do you deal with like, I've watched some of your YouTube videos and yeah. you do have some haters, <laughs> which surprised me actually. But I noticed you like bury them and like, I mean, most of your comments are not hateful. They're, they're supportive. But I, I was surprised actually at certain comments that were negative and so I wonder how much you face that being a woman online and like yeah. how you think about that or deal with it I think in the beginning it was really uncomfortable dealing with that but I am lucky enough where I have 
other YouTuber friends who have pretty massive followings. Like compared to them, I'm like a very small potato. I only have like 3,000 something followers. One of my friends, she has like 200,000, right? And so she's had people make videos about her, criticizing her videos, criticizing wow, what geez. she says. Yeah. And they also monetize those videos. So they're getting paid to criticize her. What a weird world. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. But I think, you know, talking to my friends who are already, who have been in this industry for a while, it's just something that you can't avoid, right? Because you are putting yourself out there all the time. There's bound to be people who like just hate on you because you're doing better than them or maybe they don't agree with you and it, like their anger or their own internal issues just manifest itself in different ways. But she was just telling me like the people that actually matter are the people who consume your content and give feedback and want you to be better. Mm -hmm. Like all these people just sending like negative comments, like they're nobodies. They're like people with no faces on the internet. So yeah, I've kind of just ignored it. I've been also, I don't know if, you know, like hardware zone, you can look it up. It's a Reddit platform in Singapore where there's like a bunch of like middle-aged men, like just saying really nasty things and kind of just whatever. So I was featured on it and they were like criticizing me the entire time saying like, oh, this like, which means or like like white wannabe white person is in Singapore so there's an entire thread and then I just I read it and I felt uncomfortable in the beginning but then I was like eh. it, like it's it's just it is what it is and that's something that's reflective of them and not of me and so I'm over it <laughs> yeah I mean they're not builders you want people who build you up because they come from that building mentality yeah for sure and yeah I mean if if they were YouTube creators themselves, then maybe I would take it more to heart, but they're just random people on the internet. That's awkward though. You make money off of criticizing people. Yeah. Yeah. What a world. I know. So yeah, it's, it's, it's insane what content creators have to deal with though, like in this day and age. I'm curious with your community. It's like first your friends and people that you know personally, and then you kind of like, and then they're friends and then you grow from there. But once you reach Dunbar's number, like yeah. from there, it kind of has to take a life of its own. And then you, you now have almost a thousand people in your Facebook group and you know, all your social media followers and all of that. But like, I guess what I'm curious about is like, how did you cross that chasm? so to speak, or like that scale of community, I feel like is qualitatively different and not just quantitatively different to, to manage. So I'm actually curious how you managed to turn the community into not just like mutual friends, but to uh, something larger and, and broader. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're right in the sense where like the first 100 members were friends of Ivy and ours. And then eventually it started expanding into like second degree connections, friends of friends, etc. But I think what is really important is focusing on the user journey, to be honest, right? Like for me, like I told Ivy, I was like, I want to set the tone that we're welcoming and we're friendly. And it doesn't matter like what background you're from, like there is going to be consistency in the sense that like, once you join our Facebook group, you're welcomed, right? Like you get like a hi from the admin or like, Hey, like, I want to know more about what you're working on, like who you are, like, helping them feel more comfortable in, in talking in the community. Because a lot of times people come into the community, but they don't get the opportunity to say hi or just like to even voice out their opinion. Ivy and I have really just tried to curate the content in the sense where like we're always asking questions, giving new people to speak up, like helping others frame an intro post. So being like, oh, you know, this is how you can do an intro post. This is things that you can mention. You can ask for help. And there has been a lot of like, behind the scenes that people don't see as well, which is like these one-on-one -on -one conversations. 
would say that I know at least like 75% of the women in our group, Ivy as well. Like we are very intentional in the way that we create these relationships with these women, because if they trust us, then they, they trust the community um, and they feel more comfortable like contributing. So I guess the way that, yeah, we've just been bringing people in is like, we have the user journey just to be very consistent. And when they find the value and they're like, wow, like, you know, this isn't just like some random community that they're trying to sell courses to or whatever. It's like, you know, this is an actual community that is thriving and that relationships are actually being built. Then they start inviting people that they know as well. And so you've kind of seen this like circle expand from like people who are from the Bay Area, worked in tech, from people now in Canada, people in New York, people in Singapore, because I'm in Singapore, women from all over the world who just kind of stumbled upon our community from YouTube. Ivy, Ivy has a YouTube as well, or like from writings. It's been really cool just watching people kind of tunnel their way into our community. And if they mm-hmm. like it, then obviously they would share it. I, I do feel that like Learning Night is still at the scale that it's still kind of mutual friends and it hasn't gotten to like more than that and so I'm curious like what can us learning night hosts do to expand that or even just organizers in general to to expand beyond that it sounds like a lot of like doing things that don't scale right individual customized welcome messages you know just having that personal relationship as much as possible that technology allows you to have uh, you know that we can kind of exceed the face-to-face limit in a lot of ways but that's why we also have moderators as well like Amy is now a mod Sophia is a mod so we have people helping us and I think once you start something other people kind of mimic and do the same so we've had other people introduce themselves and be friendly as well and be inclusive so yeah setting the tone gathering your our army <laughs> gathering your, your helpers I, I was gonna try to use a less militaristic example but I think I, <laughs> army works as well so. <laughs> yeah Okay, so this comes from a question of a friend of mine who's part of your community. Sure. Which is like, why do you focus on Asian women? I'll just leave that open-ended. That's a good question. And I feel like Ivy and I talked about it in the beginning as well when we first started it. I think there's a focus on Asian women, but it's still inclusive and open to anyone who wants to join. To me, when I look back on like my life, my journey, and what I've done, there are a lot of things that I've gone through, you know, being raised in an Asian household. I think just culturally, there are things that I connect with, with other people who have gone through the same thing. And I think what Ivy and I are trying to build is allowing not just Asian women, I mean like more women, but to pursue a life that is like meaningful and intentional, right? Because I think there have been a lot of times where a lot of us question the jobs that we're in, like if we should pursue, I don't know, a doctoral degree or instead of like a creative degree. I I just saying that like Asian parents tend to be a little bit more like different when it comes to parenting. And so when we first created the Facebook group, that was something that we just wanted to bring along like like-minded people on this journey with us. And it proved to be, I mean, pretty interesting because Ivy and I came from more of like a East and West mentality, right? Like we're Asian, we grew up in an Asian household, but we grew up in the West. And then when I came to Singapore, I was like, these are people who grew up in the East all their lives. And they're so different from us. And their thinking is very different from us. And so I want to find like the right balance of being able to create a meaningful life within what they want to do and not like force our like ideas on it. But anyways, I think for me, it's just because I just like, I just wanted to. I just wanted there to be a focus for Asian women. Like, why not, right? Like there's collectives all over the internet focusing on people and Ivy and I just wanted to do that. What have you found to be the main benefits and drawbacks of having your focus be demographic? I think there are like, 
you know those massive communities like subtle Asian traits, right? Or Asian hustle network. Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. like they do well because there is like- I wouldn't call that a community. I don't know. It's like a meme page. Sure, right? there, I, mean, but I guess it's Asian, a type of community. Asian hustle network is a community. I would, I would say that both are communities. In my eyes, I think that yeah. they are. I just, I know the meme page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some people, some of my friends send me memes from it sometimes. Yeah, they, they, they do. Really great memes come out from, the, from those pages, but- um, I think there's just like the understanding of like what we're going through and also, yeah, relatability. So advantages is like, we understand what everyone else is going through, right? Like there's like that level of understanding that maybe other people do not understand. And we've created this really like safe space for us. Even though our community is small, there's only like 800 of us. It's small enough where like, we can talk about our own personal experiences from our childhood. Like some of us have talked about really traumatic experiences growing up in an Asian household. And there is a bunch of support in the comments, like being like, I understand what you went through. Like, this is what happened to me. This is what I did, blah, blah, blah. And so I think those are the advantages of just being able to connect and feel safe in that space. Like if this was like, I don't know, a 10,000 member community. I don't know if that interaction would have happened. And drawbacks, to be honest, like for me, I don't think there are really any drawbacks because like, this is what I wanted. Like I wanted to build a space like that. I don't want to lead a community of like, you know, 10,000 people just yet because AWW is meant for like people like me who are going through it. So we don't let anyone into our community unless they've like agreed to the rules they've contributed by answering questions it is open to everyone specifically like women of all backgrounds but we are more intentional about like how we allow people into the group because we want it we want it to continue being just a safe space that makes sense yeah it's kind of like when you have so much mainstream going on right it's like you can create something unique by kind of carving out your own domain people find that useful whereas if you if you just engage with the mainstream it's like it has to be watered down for more broader appeal. Yeah, for sure. Looking back on like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be reason. This is like, you know, I wanted yeah. it. That's that's your answer. Yeah, right? it so. really was. I was just like, I just wanted to do it. Like, to be honest, like Ivy and I, awesome. we're just doing it because we wanted to build yeah. a cool community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. So you are the, you are the fan girl, but why are you, why are you not the, the fang girl? I am the Fang girl. Like F-A-A-N-G. Oh, because last my last name is Fang, Emily. I know, but it's yeah. a, it's like a pun. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna yeah. change. Yeah, so I am the Fang girl, but I'm not I'm not gonna add another A to my <laughs> to my channel name just so that I can be mainstream. Like, I guess. Yeah, so. my last name is something that I'm really proud of. I will keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, and it's just yeah. I don't know. It's easier to write out too. Like people are like, oh, Fang, like the Fang girl. Yeah. Non, Non-mainstream. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it's however you interpret it, right? Like Emily, like I, like when people know me, they always say like M Fang or like Emily Fang. Um, Fang is my household name, right? I, it doesn't need to be associated with like tech, but it can be if you want it to be. Mm. So you'll have better SEO. <laughs> a. Yeah, I know, but it's no. fine. But do you really want to be subservient to the algorithms, right? No, I don't. Yeah. I just want people to like stumble upon me and be like, wow, that's actually a good question though. You're one of the very first who's, who've asked that. Like, Interesting. No one ever, well, like, the first thing that came to mind to me. Really? I'm like, oh, yeah. it's a pun. No, it's good. Yeah. Cause I mean, no one has ever asked me that. They're just, they just, they're just like, yeah, yeah. Like saying. Well, it's true because you, you want to be a unique individual person, especially in this age that drives us towards conformity. Although, so this is something that I, struggle about is how much of my life should be 
lived in such a way to appeal to the algorithms that govern our lives mm -hmm. because choosing to be subservient to the algorithms do come with tangible benefits. Yeah. But you know, you sacrifice your individuality for doing that because I can imagine like mm -hmm. as much as you want to be unique in order to conform to society and play along, there is some level of uniqueness that each of us has to give up to engage with the rest of society, right? And so I'm curious how you think about that. Yeah, I will say like if I wanted to play the algorithm game, I probably would have done more research on like certain SEO clickbaity titles, which is why you see a lot of people saying like, why I quit my blank job at this company, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, living alone, diaries, etc. I feel like I haven't been following, <laughs> you know, these like SEO focused titles. I've just been kind of building and talking about whatever I want to, which is kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because I think one, people think, oh, it's like authentic content. She's building whatever she wants to talk about. But then it's also, I'm not very discoverable compared to some of the other YouTubers out there. But I do pride myself in being authentic and real in my content. Like my father who watches my videos also told me, he was like, maybe you shouldn't. That's awesome. No, my dad was like, maybe you shouldn't reveal too much. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But I mean, I feel like in some ways I'm an open book. I'm not afraid to like share what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. But there are times where I'm like, you know, if I ever wanted to do content full time, then I would have to play the algorithm game. And mm -hmm. you've probably seen a lot of YouTubers who were very famous and successful in the past, but now their YouTube channels are slowing down because they're not playing the algorithm game. It's not something I've thought about just yet because I, I mean, I'm not like building my channel to be like 100K subscribers. I think there's like small like partnerships coming in from for even like a 3k YouTube channel. So I think I'm just going to keep doing what I want to create. If I'm creating content that I'm not interested in, or I'm just like, I'm going to hate it. And this won't be a passion project anymore. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I guess the advantage is also that it's not my full-time job. I'm just creating because it's been fun and I get to meet cool people through YouTube. Yeah. Having fun is an advantage because if you can have fun, mm -hmm. you can do it long-term. Yeah, for sure. I faced this when I quit my job four years ago, which was like, oh, I'll just be a writer yeah. because that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, I like writing as my hobby and I turned it into my job and then I hated it because it wasn't a hobby anymore. Yeah. I had to like put food on the table <laughs> by writing. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how long were you a writer for? For eight months, oh, I think. Okay. Basically, I was like sprinting towards publishing my first book and then it came out and then I'm like, great. Time to go back to the nine to five mines. Um, yeah, never doing that again. Are you planning on doing learning nights again? Oh, yes. I hope to do more learning nights in Boston when I move there and get to build more community. I have a mixed relationship with the internet because I work at a computer for my job. It's like uh, once I stop my job, it's like I'd never want to look at a computer. But I do recognize kind of the value of having the internet to help build my social life as well. And so there's an interesting tension there that I don't know the solution to, but, you know, chewing, chewing over how to incorporate the internet into my social life. I mean, you can yeah. use it to meet cool people. That's how you use the internet. <laughs> and then you meet them. I think it's true, right? Like you, sh you should, it's like you said, it's like, why do things? Because they're fun and we choose to. Yeah. Do you think you're going to pursue another like passion project like that again? 
You do have a good job and you're stable. You're like moving to Boston. Do you think you're going to pursue your passion as like a full-time or a passion continuing it as a hobby? I guess like, you know, I've reflected on this a lot, right? Which is like, there's an infinite number of things that we could do to create passions or have hobbies or whatever. But ultimately, like, I've tried enough things where I have a strong sense of what I like and what I don't like. And so I think, like, generally, like, outside of work, I tend to just focus on things that I know that I enjoy. So primarily, that's A, working out, and then B, just like, you know, casual writing. Like, there's no focus, but just like, things that come up that I want to put on my blog yeah right or or podcasts or you know whatever whatever content I want to create but I, like I don't I don't do a profession I don't like put myself to a schedule or do these things where people are like you must write a thousand words a day or like whatever <laughs> that kind of thing you're a good writer I read your blog before oh thank you yeah I like they have a section too that says like date me as well I was like it was very clever I actually told a a bunch of like I told some of my guy friends as well like that's something that they should do it's honestly like one of the I feel like it's really smart to do that's hilarious I copied that from a trend that has been going on in certain circles of the internet for people really? to do that. yeah this is, I mean you're the first that I saw it so I was like oh well clearly I am part of the trendsetters <laughs> okay my bad <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, I don't take credit for anything original. Hmm. All my ideas have been recycled from the past. Yeah. I mean, as all good ideas are, kind of, right? Yeah, maybe I should not admit that publicly. No, it was all my idea. I'm a genius. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, like, like m maybe, like, here's a, uh, a question for you, which is, like, why? Why make content, you know? Is there a secret need for fame and fortune? Is it just, like, you know, you feel that it's a good opportunity to meet people? Because yeah, it is a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. And so inherently, there has to be some type of reward that you're getting from it, whether that's new relationships with people that are cool or like just getting recognition. You know, you can say like, oh, I like ma making videos for fun. But like, I can imagine it's like if I write things and like I get zero views yeah, or even worse, I get two views, you know, I, it would it would be much it would be significantly less fun as as much as we like to admit that it's we do it for the work itself. How do you handle the chase of fame i'm i'm not gonna lie when i say that like it makes me feel a little bit giddy inside when people say like oh i saw you from youtube or like when they recognize me from youtube right like i've gotten that a lot in singapore actually some of my coworkers that i won't say their names from stripe in the singapore office was like i know you and like they would like come say hi and just like introduce themselves so that has been interesting to say the least and kind of awkward at times yeah so i i mean i think that has been cool to be a part of but I think the reason why I really just like putting content out there is because I've been creating content since I was like a kid, like journaling. Like I've, I've always loved writing. Like I had like stacks of journals, like back from when I was a kid that are probably in the garage somewhere. But I think when I realized I started putting out content, there were a lot of people who would reach back out and just say like, oh, they relate to this. And like, it would spark really interesting conversations and friendships over the internet. Even through my YouTube channel, like I found like some of my best friends here just from YouTube because they reached out to me on Instagram. And so I think for me, it's not like I want to be famous. I want a lot of money, but it's more of like, it's, it's just opened a lot of cool opportunities for me that would never have happened mm -hmm. if I didn't put myself out there, which is like, you know, I met my really good, I would say my best friends like Jane and Emily, and we're actually starting a podcast together and they both found me on YouTube. So it's like, that's like invaluable. Like my friend connections to them and like my relationships with them is something that you know, you can't buy or like you, it doesn't happen out of thin air. Um, or like mm -hmm. there's an auntie here 
who invited me to dinner. I ate at her place in Singapore and she cooked like this, like 10 course meal, for, like Taiwanese meal. Yeah. And I was like, what the? I was like, so shocked by the way. I was like, I thought this would be like just me and her, like, like, you know, just two plate, like just very simple, but she like went all out and it was insane. And then, yeah. And then just also like the business acumen of it too. Like that's fascinating to me because I've never done an MBA and I don't think I will, but learning like the business part of it, like how to negotiate YouTube partnerships, how to like, you know, get paid well and not just get free shit all the time from YouTube. Like that has been fun. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like this, just this fun entrepreneurial like journey that I've been going through. Jen and Emily and the second Emily. Yeah. Is your next community, everybody who's named Emily? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but we're going to try and be like the next Asian boss girls. Have you listened to that podcast? Asian boss girls? No. Oh, okay. But <laughs> it's, it's, very, <laughs> it's very well known in the u.s they're one of them is okay. like wong fu wong fu's oh i know wong fu productions yeah yeah, yeah. like the, the yeah, yeah. yeah so we're gonna try and be ryan like, higa not ryan higa, but we're gonna try and be like the asian boss girls of southeast asia so yeah. it sounds lit it is lit it's gonna be super lit litty yeah <laughs> litty af litty af to the moon <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want i honestly like don't want the fame and i don't want the money but I was like, it would be really cool to uh, like maybe one day make it some sort of business if it's possible. But I think right now, like my main focus is just like the Dow. It's just cool to be cool. I don't think I'm cool though. I think you're pretty cool. I'm like, why do you not think you're cool? I don't know. I think I'm warm. Oh, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> As in, like, like when I think of cool, I think of people who are like suave and like smooth and you know wear their sunglasses and they're just cool, right? Oh, sure. Like coolness. I think I'm just I'm warm. I'm like empathy in a box. Mm. Or like yeah. Well, so like cool. That's a very interesting definition of cool, I guess, because it's like it's cool to not care. Uh, right? But it's uh -huh. it's not that it's cool to not care. Yeah. But that like it's cool to not never take any risks. Oh, right. Yeah. If you never put yourself out there, mm -hmm. you'll never have the risk of social embarrassment. And so therefore you're like cool only because you've never kind of gambled your social currency. Mm. Right? Then isn't, doesn't cool have a bad connotation then if you put it that way? I, I guess. Well, and if you, if you think of cool as the, the guy in the sunglasses in the corner, you know, brooding over his poetry or whatever. Mm. That's a certain archetype of cool. I think you're cool in the, like you like to gamble your social capital, which is something <laughs> that the sunglasses cool yeah. person does not do because, because sometimes you gamble and you lose and then you have embarrassment. But on the other hand, sometimes you have a YouTube channel with people who, who love you. So there's this bifurcation of social reality that's happening when you do that. And I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> huh. It's interesting that you put it that way, actually, because I've come to find like the more authentic I am or the more I am myself, the more that mm. I've found good people. It's like only mm. when I'm in my most natural state. Are, are you sad that you are not cool? No, I'm... I think I've gotten to a point where I just don't care what people think of me, as bad as it sounds. I mean, I, I know what I know now, and I'm at the age where, like, I care about what I care. I know what I know. I'm done, like, impressing people, especially, like, in my career or just in life. And I found that, like, mm -hmm. because I don't do these things, I attract the right kind of people that I want to be around, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. it, it was interesting, though, because I was like, yo, Emily's cool. And you're like, I'm not cool. Right? <laughs> but that's, I want to, like, unpack that, right? Like, what's, what's happening there? I mean, I don't know. Someone... 
like people have told me that I'm just like like a cake, like or a brownie, like ooey and gooey. Ew, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, as I'm like, maybe my definition of cool is very different from yours. That's why. So okay. yeah, yeah, which is why I'm like, when I think of someone cool, I'm like, someone's a little bit like colder, like unmoved. I see. But I feel like I'm more like a warm brownie. Yeah, I'm a warm brownie. But if you think I'm cool, I will take it and I will say I am cool. If it weren't for crypto, yeah. what would you have done instead of a DAO? Oh, I think I would have built like a hostel or something or like a community center. Yeah. Like if I could do whatever I wanted, I would have built a physical location that was dedicated to like travelers. I don't know exactly what, but it would be very similar to like hostel slash community center where people can come in and out to fix things that they need fixed, <laughs> like mental health issues. Drive through mental health coaching. Yeah. So something like, yeah, that's what I would do. Bed and breakfast. Yeah, just somewhere nice in Taiwan, like near a tea farm and just hang out and relax. That's my dream. Starting a DAO does not sound like you are relaxing. I know, but it invigorates me in ways that like, I don't feel like my previous work has. And that's because, I mean, I get to work with a core team of seven amazing women. The Web2 community that we built in Facebook finally will have the opportunity to expand and just allow women to have more more skin in the game. Is it helpful if I explain what a DAO is first? No, don't. Okay, great. Yeah, the thing with Web2 communities is that there's a community manager, right? Or like mods, and it is really taxing. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like managing a community is really tiring sometimes. There's just a lot of social interactions. There's a lot of, you know, support that you have to do. The idea behind creating a DAO is that we give more ownership to everyone, right? So if you're holding a token or if you're an NFT holder, then you'll have more skin in the game. You'll want to contribute more you want to see the projects uh, succeed so i think ivy and i are just really looking for people who want to contribute and build alongside with us because i feel like there's just more potential in web3 for us to like all win together and distribute the work that we can do that makes a lot of sense yeah. You know, especially as you mentioned, it's sounding like kind of the main appeal of the community you've built is the kind of high touch and high interaction and like personalized help that people are getting. Right. And so if you or the leadership team or the mods are the bottleneck, that's going to burn you you guys all out. Right. How, how do you prevent people from buying tokens in your DAO because they just want to get rich? Well, the way that we're going to handle that is we're doing like a gradual opening to those who are early contributors. So we do have a Discord channel and we'll have people slowly join us and like start filling up um, the channels and like contributing and having conversations. We'll have a pre-mint list reserved for a certain crowd, like our community from awe or like friends and family who have supported us, et cetera. And then when we open it to public, basically anyone can buy like, I think up to two. So there are, you know, restrictions in place, but on the top of my head, we're going to be releasing 5,000 uh, tokens. I will say that like, we're doing it in a way where we're trying to make it sustainable. We're not like riding on the hype. Like Ivy and I are trying to be very tactful and like actually bringing in people who have been there with us from like web two. What software do you like, like, I can't Google how to start a DAO and then just like press a button and then it happens. Right. Walk me through like how that happens. The community environment where we have all our discussions, um, our private channels and like the external facing channels to the community all will live within Discord. So that's like the heart of our community. We have a notion that has our white paper. It basically like organizes everything. But I mean, think of DAO as just like a community. 
Like it's just an organization, right? Decentralized autonomous organization. Yeah, but like, where's the code running? Oh yeah. So we, that's why we have a developer. Danica is our lead engineer. Nothing has been built by the way. We literally just released our white paper like last week. Our artists are currently coming up with the art itself. And Danica is just ramping up. She's being taught by Owen on how to create smart contracts and, you know, thinking about like the infrastructure. But I mean, just think of like the DAO as another community in Web3. Technical details will be sorted later. I mean, it's being sorted now with Danica, but I think for me, like I'm more of like the marketing community, like front, but yeah, that's why Danica, we have the smart Danica to help us with this. It's the right way to do it, right? Like you, you start with the problem rather than you start with a solution. Yeah. You want to make sure the community organization is good before you start writing your code. And also just, I think all of these things can run in parallel as well, because like we're focusing on our strengths. Everyone is building at the same time. And at least for me, I'm just ensuring that there is interest in this. People feel comfortable and confident in our ability to lead this project as well as having them understand what it is. Do you have any regrets? I think my regrets is like maybe when I was younger, I had a pretty bad tendency to like cut ties with people. It's very like zero to 100. Yeah. So I think in the past, there are a lot of people that maybe I've personally hurt or just I didn't handle it well. And maybe that was because I was really immature. I think my regret is not handling those relationships better because it's sad. You know, these people used to be like really good friends and who knows, like maybe give it a couple of years, we might bump into the same friend circle or I might see this person from high school that I haven't spoken to. So I think maybe that just a little bit of sadness and like, the way that I handled things when I was younger. But other than that, yeah, no regrets. That ties well back to in the beginning when we were saying how yeah. kind of our networks intersected because of decisions that we mutually made like 10 years ago yeah. that we didn't realize would lead to this moment. Yeah. What is it that you would like to see more of in the world that you think people do not individually choose to do? I don't know if this is really cliche, but just like giving back to the world and not expecting results. If you're going to do something nice or kind, you just do it just to do it, you know, because you deserve that, or you think that the universe, the universe does deserve a little bit of kindness, but you know, it's not expecting anything. The best truths are cliches. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, this is the only thing I can come up with after I'm, one no, cup of coffee. I'm really touched by that. Actually. Yeah. Uh, what a beautiful way to end the podcast. <laughs> Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> that's right do things only because you want to and don't expect results but also you should like comment and subscribe yeah <laughs> wait to this podcast or to my youtube channel <laughs> to emily's youtube channel find the link at emilyfang.com that's e-m-i-l-y-f-a-n-g.com you should comment and like and subscribe to her dao <laughs> and turn on that bell so you get notifications the youtube channel not the dao but yes you can buy a token <laughs> And subscribe to my email list to get more podcast episodes. Go to billmay.net, that's B-I-L-L-M-E-I.net to sign up for the email list and subscribe to the podcast. You'll also find links to other podcast episodes and show notes. And thank you for talking with me, Emily. Yeah, thanks for having me. Next time I'm going to wear a cowboy hat as well. Yeah, totally. Do it. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, I will. Thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best. All right. Well, that's a wrap. I really love getting feedback from you. So let me know what you think of the show. Tell me about what you enjoyed. Any constructive comments you have, just send me an email. I'll read every single one.
If you like this episode, leave a review on iTunes. This helps other people find the show. And don't forget to subscribe to me and subscribe to Emily to get more episodes. And that's it. Looking forward to hearing your comments. See you next time.